What's better than one John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kenzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. Well, the Pac-12 Conference could do almost nothing right for like a year, and now they can do no wrong, or the football teams can do no wrong. I'm John Canzano. The Pac-12 Conference is undefeated at least through week one. I'm here with John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group. You can find his work at Pac-12Hotline.com. You can find my work at JohnConzano.com. Wilner, are you surprised at 13-0? Let's start there, and then we'll get into our weekly picks and, and thoughts on the games. I certainly am. Yes. No losses is a that zero is a huge surprise just because you figure somebody would get upset. There were enough close games by, you know, based on the the betting line that you'd figure somebody was going to go down. They played they played some some decent opponents and a bunch of road games. I mean, talk about walking the walk right after that, a whole offseason of anticipation of the seat, you know, of the. The actual season, got got to give them credit. Now, are they going to be undefeated at the end of Saturday? That that would be a shocker, right? I mean, you look at the lineup of games, and we're going to get into all that, but seven Power 5 opponents this week. Uh, I think this is the defining week of the season for the conference. Yeah, they're going to find out how good they are relative to some of the other conferences. But some of these games, some of these Power 5 games are not top teams, like Arizona State's playing you know, a, a game not against a top you know, they're not one of the best teams in the conference. Arizona, Washington State, Cal, like four of those crossover games come with teams that we all view as sort of the teams that will finish 6th through 12th in the Pac-12. So, you know, ultimately what you need is you need really good teams at the top and maybe uh, you need some teams at the bottom that give you some, some mulligans during the conference yeah. season. But it doesn't appear that that is there this year, not like it's been in past years. No. The, uh, to me, that is the potentially the biggest story is the improvement. You know, the four teams at the bottom last year, Cal, Stanford, ASU, and Colorado, you know, the improvement of those teams and whether somebody else that we think is going to be either top or middle of the pack ends up having a much worse year. Because if you don't have a soft seller, it's hard to have, you know, a strong top. We're going to start with the game that Fox will celebrate again. They had 7.3 million viewers for week one when they featured Colorado and TCU. They are doubling down with Nebraska at Colorado, 9 a.m. Saturday on Fox. Fundamental question, Wilner, do you believe? I do believe, but I don't, I'm not all in yet on the, on the Deion Sanders experiment here. I think they're going to be better. And I always thought they were going to be better, but what is the degree to of belief here? I don't think that they're uh, going to contend for the conference title. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I certainly think they're going to be better. And I certainly think they're good enough to beat a Nebraska team that just lost to Minnesota 13 to 10. So yeah, I believe I'm halfway in, put it that way. All right. Colorado's favored by three. They're at home. Thing that jumped out at me, despite the, I mean, aside from the fact that, that Shador Sanders was fantastic, made all the right throws in, in week one. Travis Hunter was awesome. Bunch of receivers were great. Colorado looked great. Aside from all that, Colorado gave up 7.1 yards per rush against TCU, and they struggled to run the ball, 1.6 yards per carry. They're going to run into a Nebraska team this week that ran the ball on 37 of 
56 offensive snaps in week one. So the Huskers are going to try to run the ball and keep that keep the game on the ground. And I think they're going to have some success there. I think this game is super close. I think the point spread is an overreaction. Uh, you know, as, uh, I think it's swung too far the other way. Colorado being favored by three. I still think Colorado is going to win, but I think it's going to be something like 28-27. 20, you know, it's going to be right in there, very close score game. I won't be surprised if they lose. I won't be surprised if they win, but I don't think they're running away from Nebraska despite Nebraska's relatively subdued performance in week one. Yeah, and you wonder about the emotional piece, too, with Colorado. So much effort and energy put into that opener under Deion Sanders. Uh, and you know it's been one long party in Boulder all week. Uh, so it, it's going to be really interesting to see where their minds, you know, the mindset. And I agree with you about the, you know, inability to stop TCU's running game. The other thing is TCU, I mean, you know, Sonny Dyke's defense is – is they're never any good. So, but I still get back to the fact Colorado's got some playmakers. Yeah. And I don't know that Nebraska does. So I, I think Colorado's going to win, but it, you know, seven to 10 points, not, not anything more than that. Utah is at Baylor, 9 a.m. also on Saturday. ESPN on the call there. Uh, Baylor will be without their starting quarterback. They lost Blake Shapin uh, for a couple of weeks with an MCL injury. Utah looked really good on that Thursday night game against Florida. I had I had previously circled this game as a possible loss for the Utes, but I now think they're going to turn Baylor into a one-dimensional offensive team, and I I think Utah is going to win this game comfortably. Utah's favored by seven and a half. I think they'll win by like ten. I have it something like thirty-four twenty-four. Utah. Yeah, I mean Baylor coming off a loss to Texas State, where they gave up forty-something points, which is bananas. Uh, you know, I, I kind of think Cam, Cam Rising's going to play, but certainly even if he doesn't, Bryson Barnes has got that win against Florida under his belt. Uh, and now Baylor doesn't have their quarterback to me, uh, you know, and I, I think that Utah's one of several teams that we got to watch on this front. You know, the conditions could be tough. It's, it is bacon hot in the Southern Plains. So how will Utah? I think if it's close in the fourth quarter, Utah may have some problems holding up in the in the heat. It's going to be well over a hundred on the field, but they should have this thing in hand before the fourth quarter starts. So I it, got Utah as well. It's really interesting because it, you know we their third the conference is thirteen and zero. Those two games in the morning on Saturday make the conference fifteen and zero. The very next game kicks off at two p.m. Saturday on the Pac-12 Network. It is Tulsa at Washington. That game should be over by halftime. I think the conference is going to be 16 and 0, you know, around, you know, the second quarter of the 4 p.m. games. Like, you know, it's this conference I think is going to be going, "Oh, how how far can that win streak go?" But Tulsa's at Washington. Washington's favored by 34. I think Washington is going to cover that. Um I think it'll be over by halftime and you know, the Huskies made Boise State look bad. I think I think they're going to make Tulsa look worse. Yeah, me too. The only question is whether Washington is whether the game gets to the the total is 64 and a half and whether that is still valid at the end of the third quarter or whether they have blown past that number so we'll see Washington just too dynamic on offense four o'clock game nope. is Oregon. yeah there's a big yeah. one huh Oregon at Texas Tech on Fox at four o'clock you know the Ducks are a six and a half point favorite what do you see ah yeah I I kind of think uh, I lean toward Oregon but this is one I'm not sure of, right? How is Tyler Shuck going to respond against his former team, right? You know, if you're a quarterback and you get too emotional, 
that can lead to mistakes. Uh, if he is, you know, a very even keel, I think, and and limits his mistakes, I think the the Red Raiders have a great chance to win. Even though they did, they blew a seventeen nothing lead and lost at Wyoming last week. Uh, but this one, Lubbock in the at night, uh, it's going to be uh, Oregon's going to have to play very well to win. I I disagree. I think Oregon's going to boat race Texas Tech. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Bruce Barnum is the Rosetta Stone on this. The Portland State coach, every year he plays one or two Pac-12 teams in non-conference games. He has to. It's a payday thing. He just got blasted by Oregon 81-7. to Last year when he played Washington, he lost 52-6 to to Washington. And I said to him after the game, I asked him, I texted him, I said, hey, how good is Washington? And he said they're going to compete for the conference championship. And remember, they were coming off the Jimmy Lake year. Nobody really knew. Nobody, yep. nobody thought the Huskies would win 11. But Barnum saw it. He told me after the Oregon game this week, now keep in mind, he's scouting Wyoming, who played Texas Tech. So he's breaking down film of Wyoming. He knows what Oregon is. He believes that Oregon's going to win by double digits. He says they're just too good. They're too long. They've got too many athletes. They're fast. They're strong. He thinks Bo Nix gets pulled from the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm going to go with that. I'm going Oregon 42, Texas Tech 20. In a statement game, that is some good insider information there. We'll see. He's 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 prepping for Wyoming. He's trying to beat yep. Wyoming, who beat Texas Tech. So he's you know, but Texas Tech went to Laramie and just didn't look good. They led seventeen zip and then then fell apart. Yeah, it'll be you know that's going to be a difficult environment for Oregon though. Uh, fortunately, you got a veteran quarterback to deal with it, but. Uh, I just that it almost feels too easy to me to pick Oregon coming off that eighty-one, but we'll see. Then we it, got uh, what do we have next? Arizona, Arizona. at Mississippi yeah. State, right? Four thirty. Yep. That game's on the SEC network, which is available out here, unlike the Pac-12 network. Um, Arizona is a ten-point favorite. Uh, sorry, ten-point dog at Mississippi State. Mississippi State won in Tucson last year, dominated the fourth quarter. Uh, of course, the Bulldogs had Mike Leach at that point. Um, what do you see here? Well, I, I think it's interesting. I've been watching the betting line on this game, and I've seen it start at 10, 10 and a half, move down to 9 and a half, maybe 9 by kickoff. I, I, I get it. Like, Arizona's got some offense. They'll score some points. But the Wildcats haven't beat an SEC opponent in 50 years, and they're going on the road. In Mississippi State, you know, 7 and 1 in their last eight home games. Their only loss came to Georgia. It's, it's not like Starkville is the toughest place in the world to play. I've been there. It's a tough place to play. But it, it's the fact is that Mississippi State is a better-than-average SEC team. And I just I have to bank that a better-than-average SEC team will clean up in a home game. And so I'm picking Mississippi State. I think they'll cover if the spread gets down around 9.5 or 9. If it's 10, 10.5, 11, maybe not. But I think they win something like 38-27. Yeah, I've got Arizona with with ten points, but I agree with you that number that that's a where it lands is a that's a big deal, right? Nine and a half versus ten versus ten and a half. Uh, but I'm picking Arizona, and I think that certainly the potential is there for a backdoor cover, right? Mississippi State's up fourteen points, fifteen points the last minute. Arizona goes down, scores scores to uh, get within once, you know, a touchdown, something like that. But very interesting to see how Arizona handles the environment there. Not only the heat and the crowd, but just 
you know, all the big bodies that you expect to see on those SEC lines of scrimmage. Yeah, and this is not, again, this is not a Mike Leach team. You know, this is this is his successor, take, you know, coaching his first full season. Yep. Although so, same quarterback, Will Rogers. Same Roger, quarterback. So. But I just, I'm curious to see how they'll look. And I think that, I think, like, I, I'm picking Arizona to be a little bit of a surprise team in the Pac-12, but I don't think this game is made for, for the Wildcats. No, it's it's certainly not. And Pac-12's, rep, you know, the history is not good going into SEC country. So UC- we will see. Uh, what do you have next? UCLA, San Diego State, 4.30, oh, okay. yep. CBS. What do you, uh, UCLA's of no, four, interesting. 14, 14 and a half point favorite, UCLA. Oh, it's up to 14 and a half. Interesting. I had seen 13 and a half. Uh, I kind of like San Diego State. I just think the emotional factor there, you know, Mountain West teams playing Pac-12 teams and and especially a game, you know, San Diego State, UCLA. That's a game that, that the Aztecs circle for sure. I, I got San Diego State, but, you know, who knows what to expect from either of those teams. I don't think either of them has have looked very good. San Diego State has has played twice. This will be a third game. They have 251 combined passing yards in the first yeah. two games. They've just not been very good in the air, but I think Chip Kelly and UCLA get it together in this one. But I, I'm not – I don't feel great about this game. Ethan Garbers, Dante Moore, they both played in the Coastal Carolina game. They threw three combined interceptions and uh, three combined touchdowns. Just a real mixed bag there, and I thought that kept that game closer than it should have been. Uh, I think UCLA wins this game. I'm picking them to cover. I had it 35-20. If it's 14 and a half, it's right there. But uh, I'll take UCLA. But, you know, San Diego State, who knows? If they show up and this is their game um, and UCLA is so-so again, uh, this could be an upset. But I I just think Chip Kelly's got better players. Yeah, he does. He does have better players. Although it'll be interesting to see which quarterback – he settles on whether it's Ethan Garbers or Dante. Who do you think Moore. it's going to be? Who's your who's your bet? I, I'm just guessing that Chip is going to keep keep to his plan from the the first game, which is to start Garbers and then use more, and then he'll make a decision. You know, sometime late first, second quarter. All right, I'm going to which guy he's going to go with for the for the rest of the game. But how, I, I think he'll start Garbers. How about too. in this season? Because I kind of think he wants <laughs> eventually to give the keys to more. And yeah, he's looking for a reason to do it. And it reminds me a little bit of, you know, we watched him with other young quarterbacks at Oregon. You know, who would he start? He tends to pick the guy with more upside. And if Dante Moore can show him that there's more upside there, I think Chip will go in that direction once the season gets underway. Yeah, I think he wants it to be clear, though. And until it is clear, he's going to keep starting Garbers. That would be my call. You know, it is interesting. I shouldn't. I should mention – East Coast, 8 o'clock Saturday night. You're a college football fan. You turn on the TV. You got Oregon, Texas Tech is on Fox. UCLA, San Diego State is on CBS. Wisconsin, Washington State is on ABC. We'll talk about that next. Pac-12 is going to be on primetime East Coast, three over-the-air networks at the same time. That is, you know, so a great chance for, for exposure. Terrific chance. Uh, and I think I think too that uh, if you are the Pac-12, the big opportunity comes in that next game. Wisconsin at Washington State, four thirty ABC, as you mentioned. Wisconsin's a six-point favorite. I'm picking Washington State to win the game outright. Wilner, go Cougs! I am too. I think that I mean they beat them last year in in Madison. I'm picking them to to cover. Uh, 
I think that, you know, they're going to be able to handle uh, or stay with the Wisconsin new coach, Luke Fickle, veteran quarterback. But I, I, you know, I like what I saw from the Cougars last week offensively, especially, you know, they're going to play good defense. I think they'll be able to score enough to keep this thing close. I think it just lines up as one of those games. Martin Stadium in Pullman, the game time, 430, afternoon kickoff, televised nationally. Power five teams don't come to the Palouse. It's it's just it's a long trip. Um, loved what we saw from Ben Arbuckle, the offensive coordinator at Washington State in Week One. I thought Cam Ward looked as comfortable with the game plan as he has looked since you know coming to Washington State. And I just think that they're going to honor Mike Leach. There's going to be a lot of emotion. There's the anti-Big Ten feelings swirling in the background. Like if if Washington State is going to make a statement to the college football world, this is the stage. And and I think Washington State. You know, you can take Washington State in the six points, but I think they're going to win this game. Auburn at Cal, seven thirty kickoff, ESPN. Cal is a six and a half point favorite. You skipped UC Davis, Oregon State. Oh, okay, six my fault. Because you know what, I don't pick those games that are, no, have uh, FCS opponents. No disrespect, no line. but there's are no we line. are we dissing the Beavers by, by skipping well, over? <laughs> no, no. Uh, Quickly, UC Davis at Oregon State. They're they're unveiling the renovated Racer Stadium, so this is going to be a big celebration. And they got yeah, the right my opponent. Bad. My bad. Uh, no, there's no line, so I that's why. I no, I get it. it I get yeah. it. I get it. There's no. They got the right opponent to celebrate against. This is going to be a big sky opponent. Oregon State is clearly better. Loved how they played in Week One against San Jose State. That was a really solid first game for DJ Uyangalele, but. Um, I think Oregon State wins handily, 55-10, something like that. And yeah, they unveil the stadium and, you know, they get to make a claim that this it's the best stadium in the Pac-12 until somebody proves them otherwise. There you go. Well, and a good chance potentially for Aiden Childs to get a lot of work, right? Uh, you never know when you're going to need your backup. And, you know, he played a few snaps against San Jose State on Sunday. And I, I agree with you. I think blowout and you get your get your reserves some some work because you know you're going to need them down the road. Let's move on to Cal and Auburn. Set it up. Well, Cal's a six-and-a-half-point dog. I like the Bears to win the game outright. Uh, I think that, you know, they've got a little bit more offense. Jake Spavital has kind of, uh, you know, provided a playbook that I think is going to help them uh, a ton. And, you know, they're going to play good defense. The other thing is, it's a long way for Auburn to go, and then it's a long time for Auburn to wait, right? That's 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 Central. That's a late game. Long way to go, long time to wait. And I just, you know, I just wonder where Auburn's head's going to be at at that point. Cal, you know Cal's going to be jacked up. So I think this is, a, this is an upset to me. I have the same feeling about this game. There's a game every year where Justin Wilcox wins that he really sees coming, and Auburn, to me, they have like six and six written all over them. This is a very so-so SEC team. Uh, and I think because of that, I think Cal's got a real shot to win this game. I picked it 31-30 Cal. Auburn's favored by six and a half, as you mentioned. I think uh, Cal in the points is the pick there. And let's see what they do. I, I liked what I saw from Cal in week one, and I think I think this could be their game. Yeah, and one thing to watch with Cal, too, is, you know, I think they're better off with with Ben Finley, who was the reserve last week, came in, played well after starter Sam Jackson got hurt. Ben Finley played three years at NC State. He has a lot more experience than Sam Jackson, who's a, 
really a freshman who transferred from TCU. So the injury to Jackson, I don't know exactly who's playing, who's starting, but I think Cal is going to end up being better off this year uh, with Ben Finley as the quarterback. So that's something to watch. You don't know, and Auburn doesn't know either. Uh, The next game, Oklahoma State, is at Arizona State, 7.30 Pacific time, FS1. Oklahoma State favored by three to three and a half points, depending on where you see it. What do you think? You know, I just am generally speaking – uh, in a very much of a wait and see mode with ASU because you've got so many new faces and a new coaching staff. And then you got the, the dynamic of the bowl ban and where are their heads at? So I, I think ASU is in some trouble here, uh, but we'll see. They are, you know, as difficult a team to kind of project as any of them, because you don't know how the, the you know what their mentality is going to be with with the bowl situation taken taken off the table. Yeah, and I I thought I was disappointed with Arizona State's week one win. I thought we would see a statement about the hey we were dissed we were wronged why is our university taking away our ability to compete in a bowl game look how good we are they're playing an FC, FCS opponent Southern Utah and they barely win and. And so it doesn't get easier here. Oklahoma State favored by three. I like Oklahoma State, and I'll lay the points. I think it's like 31-20. I think the Cowboys uh, and Mike Gundy win that game. Last game uh, on the board here, Stanford at USC. 7-30 game on Fox. Uh, Fox is you know, doing that uh, 7-30 Pacific time uh, broadcast network game, uh, which has done a few in the past. USC is favored by 29 and a half. And this is the last scheduled game between these rivals. They have been playing since 1905. What do you think? I liked what I saw from Troy Taylor in the, uh, in the win against Hawaii. Stanford's better. Like they're better than they were a year ago, but they're nowhere near capable of pulling off a road upset against a top 10 team. Like they're not there. USC has, had some mental lapses. They they fell asleep a little bit in the San Jose State game. I was uh, intrigued by that. But I think conference opponent at home, the Trojans will be focused. They're favored by 29 and a half, 29, 30 points. I think that they will cover that. I got it 49-17 USC. Gotcha. I think Stanford will end up covering because it's such a big number and they, they have a little bit of offense this year. But, you know, I, I know folks want to – Compare it to the 2007 massive upset when Stanford was a, what, 40-point dog, but different circumstances, right? I mean, USC, John David Booty was playing with a broken thumb. He fumbled like 17 times. You, I do not expect Caleb Williams to give Stanford many chances, and unless Stanford has got, you know, unless there's a ton of USC mistakes, it's going to be hard for Stanford to to keep this thing close. But I have Stanford covering, again, backdoor cover possibility at 29 and a half, but certainly – uh, it, it would be quite quite a shocker if it's if it's down to the wire. I last season I, I had this streak where I I won like 17 games against the spread in like a span of 20, and the games that I was missing on Wilner were all picking underdogs to cover against USC. Like I just kept doing it over and over, so I'm not doing it this year. Like you may be right. Like Troy Taylor in that offense, they are better, but I gotta see it. It, but here's the other thing. Here's like I can't shake from my mind the image of Caleb Williams and USC in the Pac-12 title game when he got in trouble and his hamstring was bothering him. I can't shake that. That it it sort of makes USC a little more fragile in my mind. 
And I keep just thinking, like, you know, if, knock on wood for USC, if at some point Caleb Williams gets banged up or hurt, this season takes a big pivot for them. And maybe that's true of all teams that have quarterback, you know, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Cam Rising. Like, it's it's probably true across college football, but USC was a dramatically different team in that title game. Like, they, they weren't going to MacGyver that thing with Caleb Williams on a hamstring. I mean, Utah just teed off on him. And so I, that's in the back of my mind. I can't shake it now. Yeah. Well, the backup quarterback is the least important player on the team until he is the most important player on the team. Uh, and and it matters, right? You got to have quality depth in, in the QB room. I, I think that, you know, I remember your hot streak last year, too. Uh, and last year was different in the Pac-12. If you kind of take the big picture, look at the point spreads and the results, because, the you know, it was a top heavy league and the favorites kept winning and winning. And it was a, a direct contrast to the parody that we had seen from the conference for so many years, right? And I missed a lot of games picking against the spread because I picked the underdogs because I was just conditioned to think parody and that the, the the favorites, the the top teams weren't good enough to cover big numbers all the time, but they were last year. So it'll be interesting this year. We're going to see more of the same where the top four or five are, are covering big numbers and keep winning or is there going to be some parity where the underdogs end up covering and it's much harder to get through the season, you know, with just one or two losses? So that that's a to me, that's a real interesting subplot to this whole thing is is the parity versus dominance factor. I've uh, published at johnconzano.com sort of the weekly guide it includes all the TV times. And I had a couple of people who reached out and said, hey, I, I refer back to that during the games. I find myself doing that, too. But I'll, I'll tell you what else I find. I find myself checking my picks to see how accurate I am. I was six and three against the spread in week one, and I was eleven and one out. It's the Colorado game, is is uh, uh, I know, and so I'm trying not to make that mistake again this week. But you know, I I guess I wasn't that surprised that they went undefeated. I you know I had them going eleven and one. You know, so so yeah. uh, it it just uh, it's interesting to me to kind of look at this season and now look at week two. Do you think we're going to learn more about the Pac-12 in week two than at any other point of the season, or is that an overstatement? No, I think this is this is the defining week. The The only thing that's close is, and I don't remember my dates, but it's you know middle of November where I think we've got Utah is at Washington and USC is at Oregon on the same Saturday, Oof. I want to say, or maybe I've got those two flipped and it's Utah at Oregon and USC at Washington. I can't remember, but there are two gigantic games in the Pacific Northwest on the same Saturday in November. That could end up being, you know, the the weekend that sets the the championship matchup and potentially the playoff, but certainly this is going to be the week that frames the national narrative. If the Pac-12, you know, that what seven matchups against Power Five, Pac-12 comes out and wins five out of those seven, six out of those seven. I don't. It's going to be hard to dispute the fact that it's you know not right there with the SEC as the best league in the land. I'm John Canzano. You can read my work at johnconzano.com. He's John Wilner. You can find him at pac12hotline.com. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, tweet at us and tell us your picks for the week or forever hold your peace. Thanks very much, everybody.